Welcome to GodPod. This is a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre, based in St Melitus College, which is a community of people studying and teaching Christian theology here in the UK and around the world. Graham Tomlin, Mike Lloyd and the occasional guest join me, Jane Williams, in discussing God, life, theology, in fact, just about anything. Welcome to GodPod. We have another episode uh, waiting for you here. If you've um, uh, downloaded this one or are listening to it wherever you are, it's uh, very good to be with you again. So it's uh, Graham Tomlin here. We have Jane. Hello. Who is our regular uh, member of the team. And um, we have a special guest today who is, uh, has not been on GodPod before, but we are delighted to have Justin Briley with us. Thank you. Thank you for and, uh, uh, in case you don't know who Justin is, Justin uh, presents a um, show on Premier Radio here in the UK, uh, which is a Christian radio um, station which does fantastic work here, uh, based in London, but across the country. Mm-hmm. And um, he has uh, been involved for quite a number of years in uh, running a radio show, um, talking with all kinds of different people. Uh, even a bit even Jane it. has been on the show. Even, even I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have not been on the show, so, yeah, so you know, I'm, I'm you know, waiting for that one. But there you go. Yes. Um, just to t- tell us a little about the show and what you've been. Well, how, the, how it runs. The show is called Unbelievable <clears throat> with a question mark, which um, is why I've been on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it started, uh, and it's also the title of the book I, I've written. But the 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 show really started, yeah, getting on for eleven and a half years ago now, um, when I. I'd, had been working at Premier Christian Radio for a few years and I, I knew we were really good at talking to Christians about Christian things and sort of resourcing Christians and so on but I was really interested in creating a space where we could talk to non-Christians as well and maybe model for the Christians listening what it, that would look like and how to have a conversation with someone who doesn't share your beliefs and so on. Uh, so I went to the the CEO Peter Carriage with the idea of starting a regular weekly show where we would have a Christian and a non-Christian join me for a discussion dialogue. And and he said yes, and we called it unbelievable with the question mark because obviously we're we're asking, is Christianity believable? And uh, and that really started the ball rolling for a show that, as I say, has been going over 10 years now. Um, and interestingly, really picked up steam as well once we started podcasting it. So rather like GodPod, uh, it's listened to around the world now by lots of people, both Christians and non-Christians. And that was the interesting dynamic was that um, obviously while it was just a, a radio show on Premier Christian Radio, it was obviously primarily Christians listening. But once it became a podcast, suddenly lots yeah. of non-Christians and atheists and skeptics who were interested in these topics and the people we were having on started also listening. And and that's just been a fascinating journey, sort of being able to interact with so many different people. And have you, I did, was it? Were all the people who don't have faith, were they quite willing to come and have this conversation on a Christian radio station? Well, I began not knowing who to invite or yeah. where to look, really. Um, but gradually, my sort of book of contact started filling up and I started to know who the main players were and how to get hold of them. And then as the show sort of gained traction and people started to hear about it within the sceptical atheist community, suddenly the offers started to come my way instead, people saying, oh, you should have such and such on or this person. And and I think people generally who came on who were atheists or sceptics were pleasantly surprised to find that uh, they weren't exactly entering the lion's den in reverse or anything. It was um, a genuine conversation. Um, we weren't trying to 
convert to them necessarily. It was it was a genuine dialogue where where I gave both sides a, hair, a fair hearing. Because that was the point, wasn't yes. it? To, to model yeah. how you have these conversations. Though, though in all, all honesty, I mean, the, the initial pushback, if I'm honest, at the very beginning at least, was actually from premier listeners, radio listeners who, you know, said, well, we've got plenty of atheists on the BBC, thank you. Do we need them yeah. on our okay. Christian radio station? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is understandable. Um, yeah. But How did you respond to that? Well, I sort of, we sort of rode it out, really. Mm. And uh, I think what happened in the end was there were enough people who really liked the concept of the show mm. who said, yeah, we want this. We want something that helps us mm. to engage outside the bubble that made it worth doing. And the ones who didn't like it just learned to skip that slot on a Saturday sure. afternoon when it broadcast, to be honest. So, um, and so do, you, do you find when you have these conversations, um, I mean, how do you approach them? Do you, do you approach them on the basis of a, you know, well, actually, if you're a believer or a non-believer, you've got a kind of common ground in a kind of rationality that might enable you to come to sort of some, some way forward. Do you feel there's a, there's a, a kind of um, a, a sort of set of rules that mm. you kind of obey, as it were, in the uh, the conversation to make it fruitful? Do you think there is enough common ground to be able to yeah. have a conversation like that? Because I guess some people would say in apologetics, the Christian faith is so different from secular yes. views of of the world that you can't really have that conversation all you have to all you can really do is preach at non-belief you can't argue <laughs> with it yeah i i guess that that's always the tension is is finding the places where there is enough common ground to have a a, a valuable discussion now sometimes inevitably some shows are set up for the conflict and the drama and neither side is ever really going to kind of have any meeting of minds there um even so i think there can be something helpful and instructive in in how to do that because it's not always for the sake of the people in the studio that we're doing it. It's really for the listening audience who may be on the fence, uh, who, who maybe haven't made their mind up or, or who it's helpful to see what the other side think. Um, I guess most of the time, inevitably, when you're talking about issues to do with apologetics, you're trying to, to fasten onto issues where there is at least some sort of objective realm which we both agree exists whether it be you know what science tells us about the universe or the biblical history or whatever it might be and and then bring in those two points of view one who says well i think the evidence points in this direction to a designer say in the case of the universe or in the case of biblical history you know i believe that this shows that the bible is historically reliable or whatever it might be um and as long as you've got something where they can at least agree that there are some basic facts to be discussed you can then obviously have the conversation on whether or not those facts point in in the direction of Christianity or not. And that's what we generally aim to do. Obviously, it's limited. You're never... I've often said, and I think it's it's become more apparent over the years I've done the show, I don't think anyone gets argued into believing in God or the kingdom of God, I think. But I do think apologetics, when it's done well, can help to remove some obstacles to belief so that people can walk down that road. Yeah. And it can, I suppose, clarify the terms of what you're talking about. Because mm. I guess I, I've some, often found in when you read or talk to people who don't share Christian faith that very often their perception of Christian faith is actually quite a long way away from what I think Christian faith is. Mm. Their understanding of God is a long way away from actually what Christians believe about God. Yes. And if, if, at the very least, it clarifies, actually, this is what we mean by God, mm. for mm. example, uh, and actually you maybe you know your your idea of god is actually i don't believe in that god either exactly yeah, um, yeah that can yeah. be a really helpful sort of i'd say that's tool. true and i'm very very rarely expecting 
anyone to you know become converted on the back of hearing a debate on the show but what I do quite often hear from skeptics and atheists who listen to the show is well I came to those shows thinking this was complete undiluted poppycock Mm. but I've now been made to realize there might be something in it there are obviously intelligent Christians who believe this stuff Mm. and they haven't become Christians by any stretch of the imagination but they've it it's let a little chink I think in the armor through and and that alone I think is worthwhile and have you had um, responses in the other direction? Um, obviously, you haven't converted people, but have you... Deconverted yes. people? <laughs> that's, well, that's a really good question, because I think inevitably it is a, an open dialogue programme. So, And you're going to hear arguments, obviously, on both sides and often very cogent, compelling speakers from the atheist perspective or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, the traffic flows in both directions. And in a sense... I get emails from people who say the show was part of my journey towards Christian faith. And I get people emailing me saying it was it kind of confirmed my movement away from Christian faith because I've you know been having all these doubts or whatever. And for me, that's obviously I want to hear the stories of people coming to faith. I'm I'm a Christian. I'm an evangelist at heart. That's what I'd like to hear. But inevitably, I do hear stories where people have where it's, it's not been that way. And I sort of, I just sort of have to sort of leave it into God's hands, really, I think, because um, all I'm trying to do is is create a sort of level playing field as far as I can to have the discussion, try and make sure the guests are matched and it's a good kind of conversation. And and you sort of just have to let people make their own mind up. Um, and that does mean it's not, you know, a pat apologetics show where you'll only hear, you know, the one side developed. But what it does mean is I get a lot more non-Christians listening to the show because they feel there's a genuine dialogue going on there. So for me, if it is a danger, let's say, that someone might end up coming away with more questions or whatever or doubts uh, on the back of hearing something, I think it's outweighed by the fact that this format genuinely helps people to to sort through their thoughts. And I never feel like the show, you know, the show alone is never the one thing that you know no. forces someone to or away from christianity it's always part of a of many more wider circumstances yeah, yeah. yeah and are there regular themes that come up yes all the time so we've probably done certain issues you know lots and lots of times so you've mentioned science yes and so science and faith is obviously yeah, yeah. comes around a great deal um the resurrection is something we've, we've tackled many times yeah, yeah. um general area of sort of the reliability of scripture and so yeah. on comes up quite often. Um, philosophical arguments for God of one kind or another um, frequently appear. Problem and of suffering. Problem of suffering, yeah, yeah, another regular. But every time you do it, um, it will be different because yes. of the people you've got in the studio yeah. and they will have different ways of approaching those questions, different kinds of theology, mm. different personalities, frankly, yeah. in terms of the way they'll interact with each other. So mm. it, it never feels like you're just repeating yourself. It always feels like there's a, mm. a fresh take every time. And do you, do you find that the um, people you have on the show, uh, to what extent do you feel they really understand Christianity? Because I, I guess I've often, often felt that a lot of the opponents of Christian faith don't necessarily understand. Some do. I think someone like you know Friedrich Nietzsche, for example, was someone who actually mm. understood mm. Christianity pretty well. He just didn't like it. Mm. And he actually said at one point, you know, my argument against Christianity is not reason, it's taste. Mm. I just don't like it. It's yes. a religion for the weak. It's a religion for the um, the poor. Mm. And he was much more interested in the kind of future, the Ubermensch, the Superman. Yeah. And this was this was going in the wrong direction for civilization from his point of view. But I think he understood Christian faith quite well and rejected it for those reasons. Whereas I think a lot of the other 
a lot of the the other critics of Christianity, you kind of feel well, actually they haven't really got it. They, they, what they're rejecting is not actually the, what the new atheists. Is. Yeah. What, what's what, what has, what's your your sort of take of the people you've met? I think it varies. And while the new atheists have stolen a lot of the headlines for the last ten years or so, and I've had a lot of them on the show, um, and very often they they are you know responding to a caricature of Christianity. Um, I've also met many atheists who who are you know well-considered, thoughtful people who have genuinely looked into it, you know, and, and thought about it. I mean, one one example springs to mind. I talked about him a little bit in the book, um, in Michael Roos, who's a mm-hmm. professor of sort of science, um, the philosophy of science at Florida State University. He's an atheist, but he's um, extremely genial, very funny whenever he's on the show, mm-hmm. and always willing to engage in a very kind of fruitful way. And, and he's often said to me, you know, he's in his 80s now, I honestly thought I'd be a Christian by now, Justin, but it just hasn't quite happened. Um, but he's sort of, but he genuinely has taken the trouble to look into it and and honestly inquire. And and you feel like you're having a really genuine, you're not just having a conversation with someone who wants to shout you down yeah. with someone like that. There's a genuine, you know, spirit of openness and inquiry about the whole thing. Um, but you, inevitably, you do get the, the characters who, who are, Responding, as you say, to a God that you don't believe in either, in that sense. And has your own understanding of God actually changed, deepened, been challenged? Definitely. Uh, So I probably started the show somewhat wet behind the ears as far as (laughs) theology and apologetics as a whole were concerned. And what it's given me is, in a sense, a 10-year sort of classroom Mm. where, where I've heard from some of the most brilliant minds on both sides of the debate and been able to in that conversation and that's really helped me to sort out my own sort of thoughts and ideas about where I stand on a whole range of issues I think lots of them I still am just as confused as when I began <laughs> in fact there's things I'm confused about now that I didn't realize I could be confused about <laughs> when I began um, <laughs> so, so it's probably the, rather like coming to theological college in a way but the the um but overall it's been really helpful actually for me individually to sort of um, sort of, yeah, just sort through where I put all the, the pieces of the puzzle mm. um, and what it's all about. Mm. Um, my hope is that anyone listening over a similar period of time, it might mm. help them to do the same. Mm. So there's definitely been hugely influential people whenever I've had Tom Wright on mm. the show and obviously gone on to read his books, read his books and everything. Then that's really shaped my, my view of... Mm. What, what the Bible really is, what the story of Christianity is about, what, what the whole narrative is looking like, and so on. Um, my conversations with various philosophers have really helped me to shape a kind of a sense of why, and this is sort of the, the case I tried to develop in the early chapters of the book, is why I really genuinely believe that so many aspects of our experience as humans point to God, not away from God, mm. and and that it makes sense to believe in God. Uh, it's not that you can have a proof, you know, math, you know, sort of mathematical proof, but mm. there are really good reasons. It, it's, a, it's a rational thing to believe that there's a God. Yeah, because what, what struck me looking through the, the book was the approach you were taking was saying, um, not here as a sort of series of knockdown proofs for Christian faith, because you can't really find those, but looking at our common experience of life, whether you're a Christian or a mm. atheist or a Muslim or whatever, we all have sort of common experiences. Actually, Christian faith makes more sense of those experiences uh, of the fact of our existence, about consciousness mm. and so on, than any other system of thought, and certainly that atheism does. Is yeah. that right? Is that the, your that, approach That's to essentially it? The, the way I, I try and do it in the book, because 
Um, obviously, I'm primarily addressing atheism in the book. Mm. Uh, I felt it would be too big a task to try and take on every other worldview out there. But but that's been a lot of where the conversation has been on the show, to be honest, because of the, the rise of the new atheism and so on. But I think it is useful. Very often, I think people assume that Christians are the ones with the, all the burden of proof mm. to show that their supernatural beliefs are, are true. And an atheist might sit back and say, I, I just have to wait for you to convince me. I'm yeah. the one who's got the sort of the normal default position but actually no i i certainly what i've realized personally over the years of doing these shows is that atheism itself is a worldview it's a way of understanding the world especially if if it's understood as what most atheists i've met do believe in which is some sort of naturalism or materialism and and that has all kinds of metaphysical assumptions about the universe and the nature of life and whether there's purpose or meaning or an overarching narrative to anything and so for me putting those two worldviews side by side, Christianity and naturalism, Mm. and asking which best explains a whole range of data Mm. from science, history, Mm. personal experience. And I've always found Christianity holds up really well. Graham does always say that atheism is a faith. Mm. Um, It really annoys atheists when you say that. But but I'm inclined to agree. I mean, this is the thing that recently, and we've done a show or two on this, a lot of atheists have have wanted to define atheism a bit differently so they'll say ah but my atheism all my atheism is is a lack of belief in god and this is an important Mm -hmm. distinction Mm -hmm. it i'm not making any positive claim about anything i simply lack belief in god Mm -hmm. so and and i think it's a bit of a clever move to try and say there's no burden of proof on me you're the one making a positive claim i simply don't happen to have that belief but i've always felt that's a bit of a a swizz um it feels like a, a, a semantics because yeah. actually most people what they actually do mean is they positively do not believe in god yeah. and, um, is, yeah. and also s- the world's civilization has on the whole believed yeah. in god yes yeah. um, historically and yeah. in the current there and, are more and, believers yeah. in god atheists are a fa- fairly small and, minority and indeed, within the world population uh, yeah. it kind of makes it meaningless as well because mm. cats and rocks lack belief in god but we don't call them atheists yeah. it, it's <laughs> it's sort of yeah. I think you, you, if you, if you, you know, if you can call yourself an agnostic, you can call yourself an atheist. I don't mind really, but you've got to acknowledge that that gives you a position, yeah, exactly. and and, we and it does make you believe. You know, questions like the origins of existence and mm. the world. Okay, you may not say you may say, well, I don't believe in a god who made this world, but you then got to come up with some other explanation as to how this world exists. Yeah, and and even if it's a sort of you know, it's just always been there along the mm. kind of you know Bertrand Russell type lines it's still an explanation every bit as much as the christian explanation is and so i think i think you're right it's a slightly sort of sneaky maneuver um to say well I'm i've, I've just noticed it ca- happening a great deal le- yeah, recently exactly. and yeah. and i think it's it's one of those ways in which you know they're trying to sort of shift the burden of proof yeah. but, it, but I, it, yeah and I, I do like that approach of saying actually the, the power of christianity is its explanatory power mm. it's a it's a it's ability to explain reality and experience in a way that is more compelling than any other mm, system yeah. of thought. And I think it's quite a useful approach because we were talking earlier on about, you know, is there any common ground between, you know, to enable a conversation between Christians and atheists or whatever. And I suppose the common ground probably is our experience of life. Yeah. The fact that we go through life and we have all these different relationships and experiences and um, you know, things that happen to us uh, in our consciousness of ourselves, our fact of being mm. in society, our relationships, you know, and you've got to find some way to make sense of all that. Sure. And the question is, which which 
you know which system of thought yeah. makes best yeah. sense of it and and i think it was the way in which you know famous converts like c.s lewis yeah. uh, were converted you know at least yep. initially to theism was that he you know as he famously said uh he he didn't like the uh, he he blamed un- injustice um you know god wouldn't allow un- injustice but then how had he got this idea of injustice to begin with yeah. you know in a universe yeah, that was right, yeah. was ultimately yeah. meaningless in atheism yeah. um and and you know that famous line about uh, a, a man cannot call a line crooked unless he knows a straight line and yeah. for me and that's the thing always about been, you know that i believe in christianity is i believe in the sun yes. not because i look at it but because it, it sheds light yeah, on everything exactly. else i see everything in its light indeed yeah. and for me you know that, those things that you know what he's expressing there is essentially the moral argument um for god mm. has always for me struck me as an intuitively very strong argument that that we all very often have these this sense that there is an ultimate standard to which we're called that humans have some sort of inherent value and dignity um that we believe some things really are wrong and some things really are right um truth justice compassion you know and so on um but it's very hard to ground any of that in a in a purely naturalistic worldview um but it fits perfectly with a Christian worldview. Um, so for me, that's one of those sort of explanatory sort of aspects of Christianity. And, and I try to kind of, I actually sort of lay out three different ways in which I think Christianity is more helpful in explaining life. So I, I sort of try and lay out in one chapter a sort of a scientific view. So some of the modern cosmology, which seems to be pointing in the direction of, of design that the universe came, it appears to have had an, a starting point in time and space the fine-tuning of the universe, some of those sort of arguments from natural theology that, for me, seem to confirm a, uh, some sort of a, a Christian view. And and then, yeah, the fact that we, we experience life as humans <clears throat> with value and, and purpose and, and all of those as- other aspects, which it's very hard to see where you get those from in, in a godless universe. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> These are all Aquinas' yeah. arguments, aren't they? Absolutely. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, completely, yeah. 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 But yeah. but sort of try try to do in 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 a sense bring them across through these conversations that we've had with yeah. with people pushing back. You know, and Aquinas is again an example of someone who's not doing theology to try and approve God in some way, but you know, with the assumption of God, then you can build on that to to build a picture of reality that sort of makes sense of things, mm. and therefore that's you know the, the classic arguments. I think are oh, that they're not proofs of God. They're just ways of saying this is how Christianity makes sense of reality, makes sense of life and experience better than anything else. Um, mm. I mean, out of all the conversations you've had, which mm. has been the most interesting, the one that you found most sort of uh, it's, it's, enjoyable, fascinating? It's, it's like asking me to choose between my children, Graham. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> I, 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 Go on, I, you can do but, it. Uh, leaving aside the episode <laughs> yeah. that Jane was in, which obviously um, has uh, to By rank the way, I am not one, one of the atheists <laughs> on this program. <laughs> she wasn't modelling atheists. So that was one where we did yeah. more of an inter-Christian. We do a lot of those yeah. theological debates, actually, as well on the show. But but of the, of the ones where I've sort of had a, you know, a well-known atheist in, I mean, probably, though, it wasn't strictly speaking in the studio, but there was one very mo- memorable conversation I had with Richard Dawkins, uh, who's, mm. of course, you know, mm. in many ways heralded as the mm. new atheist uh, leader. And um, and that was actually shortly after a debate he'd had with John Lennox, who's a yeah. Christian thinker, um, scientist and so on. Uh, this was around the time that that atheist bus campaign was doing the rounds. If you remember that, there's probably no God now. Stop worrying and enjoy your life. And um, and I I had I managed to bag a little interview with him straight after the debate um, in a bustling room. And um, 
and I wanted to have him, you know, have a chance to talk to him for ages, just hadn't been able to. And this was my chance. I was very nerve wracked at the time. But it did lead to a really interesting conversation we had, which got picked up actually by a lot of other people um, afterwards and blogs and websites. And even Alistair McGrath uh, quoted it in a book uh, as well. But it was it was because we got onto the subject, going back to the subject of human value. And um, I essentially asked him the question, um, you know, if we are simply products of a kind of purposeless, uh, unguided evolutionary process is, uh, you know, doesn't, what, what do we make of our inherent belief that, for instance, rape is wrong? You know, it, it, are you saying that it could have been otherwise, you know, that we could have developed in a different way? And it was interesting because after some toing and froing, he eventually came down and said, well, yes, um, my belief that rape is wrong is, is as arbitrary as the fact I've developed five fingers rather than six, you know. And I think that was interesting, and it was a line that got picked up by a lot of people because I think, I think that's true. If you're an atheist, a, you know, a thoroughgoing naturalist, you you do have to view that there is no, you know, ultimate morality. We we are just sort of dancing to the tune of our DNA, as as Dawkins puts it. And things do turn out differently in other cultures and societies. We we can't say that they're wrong and we're right if if there is no ultimate wrong and right. And so, so it was interesting because I think that. I think gets to the heart of then the atheist who then says, but that may be true in my worldview, but it doesn't feel right. I don't want that to be true. It doesn't explain reality. Well yes, enough. it doesn't explain yeah. my yeah. experience of reality. Yeah. And I think for many people that that is where the rubber hits the road. And they and I've met many people whose con, you know conversion has mirrored Lewis's in that way, where mm -hmm. where they've, they've found not having some some bedrock that makes sense of these these intuitions about yeah. right and wrong and value just doesn't make sense of the the actual sense of right and wrong they they, they feel within themselves yeah because if you really are an atheist there shouldn't be a problem of evil should there well in a sense no <laughs> there, there isn't there's just it's just yeah. blind luck you but know. actually that the, the but, deep moral indignation that you hear in people like richard dawkins mm. is fascinating i find it fascinating yeah, yeah. well I, I think I, it's a deep and often unnoticed inconsistency yep. in, in a lot of the books that they write. Yeah, which is why Nietzsche talked about beyond good and evil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in some ways yeah. he understood it, he yeah. understood the implications. And some ways to find a really honest atheist who gets to that point mm. is actually some ways quite a relief. Um, because actually it's, it's pursuing things to their, to their full conclusion, which is what I guess the art of apologetics is. Mm. This is... Yeah, but do it, hopefully from. doing it in a way that doesn't put people off Christianity yeah. either, because sure, exactly. yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, I can sometimes I've had a, a brilliant mm. apologist in the studio, but they've not been the friendliest or nicest yeah, or warmest right. person. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as that classic verse from First Peter three fifteen says, it's you know, um, do it with gentleness and yeah, respect. Sure. It's about the way you say. People things. often forget that second. They half do. Of the they verse, forget the end they? of the verse, don't <laughs> yes. they? Um, and what would you? Justin, what would your advice be? Because I guess people may be listening to this thinking, ooh, apologetics, that's a bit difficult. Or yeah. you know, if, I, if I started these conversations with people, I'm not sure I'd know how to answer. So I don't go there. I just don't raise those sort of issues with my atheist friends because I think I'd probably lose the argument anyway. Um, well, what would your advice be to someone like that who's a bit nervous of this area, but you know, thinking maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't? What would you say? Read the book. Obviously. You took the words out of my mouth, Jane. Uh, <laughs> she can say it anyway. Yes, yes. Um, no, well, in all honesty, though, I do hope the book sort of crystallises in a kind of accessible way what is often, as you say, 
a slightly daunting area. You, people think that I think pr the problem is apologetics often does have this reputation for being ivory tower, you know, terribly intellectual, you know, philosophical arguments. Um, but actually, um, I think there are lots of approachable ways to get into it if you are having those kinds of conversations or those. I, th I think what I want people to, to know is that they can be confident in their Christian faith. It may be challenging at times. It may stretch your thinking. It may raise questions you hadn't thought of before. But for me, it's been hugely helpful in helping to, to, to just increase my confidence, not hopefully in a way that is simply then me leaning on my intellectual acumen or anything like that, I, because apologetics has to be, if you're going to do it well, it has to absolutely be immersed in prayer and the spiritual life in order for it to have any power, I think, um, in, the, in the intellectual sphere. But I would say for anyone who's maybe just wants to dip their toe in, um, there are good books out there. Uh, you can listen to the radio show that kind of will give you a flavor of what the conversations are. I think increasingly more and more sort of accessible resources are being produced these days. I think the church has woken up in an increasingly secular age to the need for people to mount a, a rational defense of Christianity. Um, so, so there's lots out there if you want to sort of start to, to look into it. And I think one of the things I find very helpful that you said is that um, is that you don't have to win the argument mm. always. You don't have to um, drag your opponent across the floor and Absolutely. bang yeah. their heads against the wall and make them believe what you're saying. It is just creating a climate where people realise mm. that Christianity is a is a is is believable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And listening to the show, you won't always come away thinking, "Well, the Christian wiped the floor no. with the atheist." You, you'll hear sometimes the atheist maybe had the upper hand in that one, mm. and and but that's life, isn't it? That's the way normal conversations happen. But I think as long as we're always ready to come back and say. Well, I don't know if I know the answer to that, yeah. but I'm happy to go away and think about it and let's continue the conversation. I think that makes you a more human person. Uh, uh, it doesn't, I think the worst thing is when we, when, when it does become about winning an argument and, but people don't tend to get won by winning arguments. Yeah, and faith which is sort of kept immune from questions is always a slightly fragile thing. Indeed. And yeah. actually sometimes exposing your mm. faith to real questioning, whether that's through apologetic conversations with people who don't share your faith or whether it's through the study of theology. I think our experience of studying theology with students over many, many years is actually, if it's done well in the context of prayer mm. and worship in relationship with God, it can, it can hugely sort of enrich, deepen your faith, even though people are sometimes a bit nervous of it to begin mm. with. You know, if mm. I question my faith, is it going to fall apart? Yeah. Uh, but it needn't do. Um, and if it, um, and if it can't be questioned, it definitely will fall apart at some point, yeah. won't it? Yes. I think that is is a reality. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Justin, if people wanted to listen to the show, how would they find the podcast? Um, you can just search for it online. Unbelievable, uh, Premier, Justin Briley, those sorts of words will bring it up. But the actual web address for the for, for the show is premierchristianradio.com slash unbelievable. Great. And the book is um, called, well, the full title is Why After Ten Years of Talking with Atheists I'm Still a Christian, Unbelievable by Justin Briley, forward by Alistair McGrath. And there is a okay. website for that one as well, which is unbelievablebook.co.uk. Great. And it's uh, published by SBCK. 
So, um, Justin, thanks so much for being part of God. Thank Pod you. Today. It's, it's been a bit of a, a, a geeky dream come true because I've been listening to God Pod for years and years <laughs> myself. So, so um, it's lovely to be in the very room where the conversations yeah, take place with yeah. the very biscuits. <laughs> with the very biscuits. We did say we'd mentioned biscuits. Yes, and I haven't even I had any yet. So, yeah. you know, yes. the, the fabled yeah. biscuits. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're not very impressive, are they? But you know, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, it's been uh, really great to chat to you today. Thank you. Justin, thank you everyone for listening. So it's uh, goodbye from me. And also from me. And from me. Okay, let's see you next time. That was GodPod, a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre. If you want to send us a question, just email it to godpod at htb.org. We can't promise to answer all the questions you send in, but we'll certainly try.